Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you said greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Lord, our freedom to worship you is not free, and so many men and women have served in our country, and so many have given their lives for this freedom. And Lord, we remember them, and we thank you for their sacrifice. Lord, we pray for the families who've lost loved ones in service to our country that they would know we remember and how thankful we are for the sacrifices made and the freedoms that we have. And Jesus, we're so thankful, too, that you laid down your life for us to set us free forever. And we're here on this first day of the week to say thank you to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. My name's Smiley. I'm one of the pastors here at Good News. I'd like to welcome you. We're so glad you're with us today and hope you feel welcome and enjoy this time together. If you're new, we'd really encourage you, if you take a moment to fill out the Connect card in the seat back in front of you, that would really help us to better connect with you. You can fill that out and put it in one of the boxes on your way out, and it would help us to better connect with you. There are some opportunities on there to take a next step. If today's the day you put your trust in Christ, we'd love to know that. Maybe you're new and you'd like to have lunch, you could check that. I had a great time this year hearing the stories of many of our guests. I'd love to hear your story too. Or maybe you'd like to find out more about Good News. We have a Discover Good News. You could register on there uh, on June the 15th on a Wednesday from 6 to 8 or Saturday, June 18th. Uh, great opportunity to find out what we believe and how you could get connected and serve. You could check that on there as well. Uh, excited about next Sunday. In our children's ministry, we, um, Tony wanted me to let you know that next Sunday our kids' ministry will be celebrating another school year completed with an end-of-the-year summer splash. There will be water slides, pizza, and Kona ice, so we would encourage you to have your kids invite a friend and join us behind the gym after the 1030 service. It's going to be a great time next Sunday. Please invite and, and be there. Uh, it's good to remember our purpose as a church, will you say this with me, is to make disciples together. And we believe that disciple making begins and ends with evangelism. And we're glad to see one person put their faith in Christ this week. <clears throat> and uh, we're about to read God's word, so let's pray first. Jesus, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for sending your Spirit. We pray that as we read your Word together and study it, that you, Holy Spirit, would teach us. Forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many, and we pray that you, Holy Spirit, would win lost people and build believers and equip workers. Lord, we're praying for revival. That's what we need. That's what our community needs. That's what our nation needs. So will you not yourself revive us again? that your people may rejoice in you. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. Revive us, and may we take your joy out into our community this week. Lord, we need a spiritual awakening in our land, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are reading and studying through the book of Colossians together. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Colossians 3. Uh, if you don't, you can follow with me on the screen. It's good to bring a Bible. In Colossians chapter 3, we'll read for the third week in a row in the last week, verses 12 through 15. So as those who have been chosen of God, 
holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So there was a husband, and he was very sick. And uh, so his wife went to talk to the doctor about her husband, and the doctor told the wife, your husband is very sick. He needs lots of rest and peace and quiet, and here are some sleeping pills. And she said, well, when do I give them to him? And he said, oh, they're for you. Okay, I thought it was funny. You ever watch a beauty contest? They always ask the contestant, what does she want? She always says what? World peace. You ever wonder why? Why do people say what they want is world peace? You know why? Because once there was peace on earth. When God created the earth, there was peace on earth. And we remember that and long for that time when there was peace on earth. Not only was there peace on earth, but, but then the fall came right and sin wrecked everything and we lost peace on earth. But one day soon, Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to make all things new. And what we long for now, world peace, will one day be true. But we live in a time between the world that was and the world that is. And so what we're going to focus on today, we're going to learn the point of today's message is to put on peace. How do we put on peace in a world that's between the world that was and the world that is? If you're new, welcome. We're studying the book of Colossians together. The reason we're going through this book is it's all about Jesus. If you'd like to know Jesus, come and see Jesus. Many people believe this book is more about Jesus than any other book in the Bible. And... What we've learned in the last few weeks, we've learned that, uh, that a Christian is someone in whom Jesus lives, that a Christian is someone that Jesus has moved into, and what we've learned is that when Jesus moves into us, his intention is to change everything. We've learned it's kind of like a closet, that Jesus looks in our closet, and he sees our clothes, and he says, we need an extreme wardrobe makeover. So he takes our old clothes and he begins to throw them out, right? To, we're, we're to put off the old life. And then he puts all these, this amazing new wardrobe of clothes in there. So we've spent the last several weeks putting on new clothes, haven't we? Remember two weeks ago we looked at verse 12 and we learned how to put on a heart of compassion. We learned that compassion is is an emotional response to the needs of others that moves us to action. And so we spent a week learning how to put on compassion. And then we came back last week and really focused on verse 14. And we looked about how to put on love. And, and we learned that love is choosing to do what's best for someone else. And so we spent the week learning how to, to choose to do what's best for someone else. And today we're going to really camp out in verse 15 about learning how to put on peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body and be, faith and be thankful. So if we're going to put on peace, two questions kind of come to my mind. And the first is, what is peace? And then secondly, how do we put on peace? So Karen and I were having dinner this week. My, my wife and I asked her, what is peace? 
And she said, peace is healthy relationships. And I thought, that's really good. Because a lot of people will say, what is peace? They'll say, well, it's the absence of conflict. But it's way more. To me, peace is way more than the absence of conflict. Peace really is about healthy, having healthy relationships. It's being in a right relationship with God. That's peace. It's being in a right relation with ourselves. That's peace. It's being in a right relationship with others. That's peace. Peace is, is peace with God. It's peace within, and it's peace with others. Isn't that what we long for? Healthy relationships. So that's what peace is. It's healthy relationships. Well, how do we put on peace? Verse 15 gives us three steps. Three steps. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So if we're going to have healthy relationships and peace, first of all, we need to put on Jesus, to which indeed you were called in one body. We put on Jesus, then we put on his body, and then thirdly, and be thankful. So we're going to learn how to put on Jesus first, and then how to put on his body, and then how to be thankful. Uh, we start with putting on Jesus because the gospel teaches us that Jesus is our peace, that Jesus is our peace, that we put on Jesus, that's how we have peace with God. That's how we have peace within and peace with others. A passage we often read at Christmas in Isaiah chapter 9, 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah prophesied, for a child will be born to us and a son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So one day the Prince of Peace would come to earth, and that person is Jesus Christ. And the reason we need to put on Jesus is because he's the Prince of Peace. 700 years later, when what was prophesied in Isaiah became a reality, I mean, you remember the Christmas story. Every year at Christmas we read from Luke 2. And in Luke chapter 2, we read in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flocks by night. Did you know that shepherds were the lowest in society? Do you know they were nobodies? Isn't that interesting? The first people to hear the good news were nobodies. So you have some shepherds out in the field by night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news. Don't you like good news? I love good news. Good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The birth of the Savior was first announced to the shepherds. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. What? Peace. Peace among men with whom he's pleased. Isn't that what we long for? The Savior was born so that we could have peace. Peace with God. Peace within. Peace with others. Oh. Listen, this week, if you're new, why don't you join us? Pick up a study. We're reading through the book of Acts right now. We're reading through the New Testament together. And this week, we were reading in Acts chapter 10. And we found Peter. And, and the Holy Spirit grabs Peter and kind of drags him to the Gentiles. He didn't want to go to the Gentiles, but the Holy Spirit dragged him. And what was the message that he brought? Acts 10, verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, 
I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel preaching, what? Peace through Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. What a moment. A Jew sharing with Greek that, that Jesus came to bring peace. Peace with God. Peace within ourselves. Peace among races that had hated each other from the very beginning. Preaching peace. Uh, we were reading in Colossians. We've been walking through Colossians. Uh, remember when we were in chapter 1? I mean, some people here will say, well, Smiley, I mean, Jesus came to being, bring peace between us and God. I didn't know that we and God were not already at peace. <laughs> oh, Colossians 1, verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Do you know who Jesus is? He's fully God and fully man, inseparably joined together in one person. He's the infinite God-man. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself. Jesus came not only to reconcile people, but all of creation. Because when our first parents sinned, it didn't just separate men from God, it wrecked all of creation. So Jesus came to reconcile people, but also all of creation <clears throat> to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. You mean things weren't cool between us and God? Here's the bad news of the gospel. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds... The Bible teaches by nature we're all sinners, which means that uh, we are hostile toward God and we're engaged in evil deeds. And some of you say, well, I, I wasn't really hostile toward God. Really? I mean, God says, what, honor your father and mother, and we respond to that by saying, what, no. And God says, you shall not bear false witness, and we say to God, no. That's hostility. You, you want to see hostility? You, you know how I could get hostility in our culture and even in here? It's just to take the seventh commandment and say, God says, God says sex belongs in marriage. To be enjoyed between a husband and wife alone. Would that not bring unbridled hostility in our culture, wouldn't it? And doesn't it do that in here? Oh, we have a problem called sin. It's not just that we have sin, we are sinners. That means we're hostile toward God, engaged in evil deeds. And because of that, what we deserve is God's wrath, what we deserve is hell. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. Even though things were not right between us and God, uh, yet He... Jesus did something about it, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. God the Son put on flesh, lived that perfect life, died. Why? To reconcile sinful man with a holy and just God. He died in our place once for all, bearing our sins, dying, crying out, it is finished. And then he rose on the third day. Why? In order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So he could offer to us eternal life. That he could offer to us forgiveness and his righteousness and peace with God. And the opportunity to do life in eternity with Jesus. 
And what does he require of us? Isn't it just that we would receive his free gift by receiving him as our Savior and Lord? Have you? Oh, the verse that Jesus used to change my life in Revelation 3.20 where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Listen, when we see our sin, we realize we're in trouble. And Jesus said, smiling, I want to forgive you. That sounded pretty good to me. And he said, I want to give you peace with God. That sounded pretty good to me. And he said, listen, I want to move into you and live my life in and through you because you're not doing such a great job. That sounded pretty good to me. And so I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And if you never have, won't you? Receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and then we believe and commit. You can do that right now, or I'd be glad to, to lead you when we close in prayer, but to admit is to say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. I've engaged in evil deed. I've been hostile toward you. Will you? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? Oh. And if you have, I want you to hear what Jesus says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. The Prince of Peace moves in. He moves into our hearts so that we can have peace with God. He moves into our hearts so we can have peace within. He moves into our hearts so we can have peace with others. And um, when Jesus moves in, he says, listen, I'm Lord now. And you know what he says to us? He says, follow me, follow me. So if we want to put on peace, we need to follow the Prince of Peace. You see, Jesus is our Lord and Savior first, but then he becomes our model of life and ministry, our model of life and ministry. If we want to know what does it look like to live a life with peace with God, if we want to know what does it look like to live with peace within, what does it look like to live at peace with others, we look at Jesus and he is our model. And to help us follow Jesus, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, and he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and the power to, to follow Jesus and walk like Jesus walked. So in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now, if you talk to people and you ask them, what do you want most in life? Everyone would list one of those three, wouldn't they? And most people would list all three of those. What I really want in life is love and joy and peace. So you know what the Holy Spirit loves to do? He, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. That's how he lived. His life was one of love and joy and peace. Don't you want to live like that? His life was one of patience, kindness, and goodness. Don't you want to live like that? His life was one of faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't you want to live like that? The Holy Spirit loves to exalt Jesus and then form the life of Christ in us. Um, so... When we look at Jesus, we see what it looks like to live with peace with God. And we say, listen, I want to do life like that. Don't you want to do life at peace with God? And so Jesus gives that to us, doesn't he? Oh, and in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you received Him as your Savior and Lord? Then here's what happened. The moment you believed in Jesus, all your sins, past, present, and future, were imputed to Christ, and you've been forgiven of all of them. But that's not all. The perfect life that Jesus lived has been imputed to us. So from that moment on, we're at peace with God. Because when God looks at us, He doesn't see our sins. He doesn't see what we're doing. He sees the perfect life that Jesus lived. That's why we have peace with God. Our peace is through Jesus Christ. Um, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Listen, Jesus models for us what peace with God looks like. Jesus models for us what it's like to have peace within ourselves, peace within ourselves in in a broken world, right? Oh, a great example of that is um, is in Matthew chapter 8. In verse 23, when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. So I want you to get the picture that Jesus is in a boat, and the boat is in the middle of a storm, and what's Jesus doing? Sleeping. I mean, sometimes we look at the world around us, right? And it's, it's in a storm, right? And we wonder, how in the world can I go to bed at night when the world's in a storm? How did Jesus do that? You know what his father said? I've got this. No sense both of us being up all night. You can sleep, and I'll take care of the universe, right? Uh, isn't that what we need to learn? that we have a Father in heaven who's got this and we can sleep at night because we're in the middle of a storm, but we can still have peace within even in the middle of a storm. Didn't Jesus? He's sleeping in a boat in the middle of a storm. And they came to him and said, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. Oh, When our kids were little, we had these... uh, books about Jesus, and they have these beautiful pictures. I'll never forget this story. The the kids say, the the disciples woke him up and said, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And Jesus got up, and Jesus said, shh, be still. And it got still, as still could be. Ah. Listen, Jesus spoke, and the sea was calm. The men were amazed and said, what kind of a man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So Jesus spoke, and the seas were calm. Now listen, here's how we can experience peace in the midst of a, of a world that's filled with turmoil. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do you know how we experience peace? The one who calmed the storm has moved into us. Jesus lives in us, and he says, Peace I leave with you. He says, I've got this. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. What if we did life believing that the one who calmed the sea is with us? And listen, that he's forgiven us. He's with us every step of the way. He's got a purpose for our lives. He's he's promised to meet our needs and to get us safely home. We're able to experience peace in the midst of a crazy world because Jesus lives in us. In John 16, 
Verse 33, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. That Jesus enables us to experience peace in the midst of tribulation at the same time. Because we know that greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in the world. So Jesus models for us how how to do life with a peace with God, how to do life with a peace within, even in a crazy world. He's also our model. What would it look like to to be at peace with others? Doesn't Jesus model that for us? Oh, Jesus gave us eight keys to happiness. Did you know that? He said there's eight keys to happiness, and we call them the Beatitudes. And, And the seventh one, the seventh key of happiness Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Um, You see, Jesus is a peacemaker, and he calls us to follow his example. I taught you who Jesus is, right? He's fully God and fully man, right? So things were not swell between God and man. So what happened? God the Son took upon himself human flesh. He became fully man, and Jesus stood between God and man, and he, he, what he He bridged the gap and he brought us together. And so we follow his example and we're the peacemakers. And what we do is we stand between God and sinners and we try and bring sinners to God, right? And then we stand between sinners who are mad at each other and we try and bring them together, right? Blessed, happy are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. The Bible calls us to do that over and over again. How about in Romans 12, verse 18? If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. That we're called to do everything we can to be at peace with all people. Now, it's true. Some people, we do all we can, and they don't want to be at peace. But Jesus calls us to follow his example and do all that we can to be at peace with all men. How about in Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all men. Do we pursue peace? Do we really believe that happy are the peacemakers? Do we really seek to follow the example of Jesus to pursue peace with all men? And the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. So, going back to Colossians, Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. If we want to put on peace, the first step is to put on Jesus. Because Jesus is our peace. He's our peace with God. He's our peace within. He's our peace with others. Now, the second thing we need to do is to put on his body, to which indeed you were called in one body. After we connect to the head of the body, Jesus, if we want to put on peace, we need to find a local expression of his body, and and, and we need to join it and be a part of it, uh, in which you were called in one body. And here's why that's important. What Jesus is doing in the world is not just saving individuals. Jesus is saving a people. He's saving a people, he's building his church, and he leaves his church here on earth to be a preview of coming attractions. His church is meant to be just a little picture of what's to come. When Jesus comes back and there's peace on earth um, between all people, he leaves his church here on earth to be a little preview of that now. And that's why in this chapter, 
a few weeks ago when we were back up in verse 9, we read, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. You know, when Jesus moves in, he, he says we need to throw out our old clothes. And if put on the new self, we throw out the old life and put on the new life who is being renewed. The new person's being renewed day by day to be more and more like Jesus. To a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew. Circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. It might surprise you to know the world was divided at this time. And, and, and there were races that hated each other. The Greeks hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Greek. But something special was happening in Colossae. There was a church. And in the church, those who had been reconciled to God were reconciled to each other. So in one church, you had Greek and Jews who were worshiping together and eating together. People who were circumcised and uncircumcised, eating together and worshiping together. Barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man. Christ is all and in all. Wow. And that's what Jesus wants us to be. We live in a culture where our leaders are continually trying to divide us, to divide us racially, to divide us by class. And Jesus says, no, no, in my church, my people will see people the way I see people, that all people are made in God's image. All of us are made in God's image. All people are valuable, that all people are scarred by sin, especially me. We're all flawed, and we all need a Savior. Oh. What an opportunity we have in the body of Christ to show how Jesus reconciles people to God and also to each other. Well, how do we do it? Well, Jesus loves us so we can love one another, right? So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, because we're loved, we love. Put on a heart of compassion. We've received compassion from Jesus, so let's express compassion, kindness, Jesus is kind to us, and so his body, we can be kind to one another. Jesus is humble, so we can be humble with one another. Jesus is gentle with us, we can be gentle. Jesus is patient with us, we can be patient. Jesus bears with us, so we can bear with one another. Jesus forgives us, so we can forgive others. Jesus loves us, so we can love one another. So, how do we put on peace? We put on Jesus first. The second thing we do is we put on his body. We, we find a local church and, and begin to pursue peace in that body. And then the third thing he tells us, and be thankful. Um, see, the, see the word rule there, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart? Did you know that was an athletic term? Uh, it says, let the peace of Christ be the referee, the umpire, the official. You know, you're watching a game, someone breaks the rules, the referee blows his whistle. So when we invite the Prince of Peace in, we're meant to live in peace, peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. And whenever we lose that peace, the peace of Christ blows the whistle, blows the whistle to, remember, to remind us that we're meant to put on peace. It's last Sunday evening, and we're in small group. We're in small group, and a lady says, and this was so good, she said, gaze at the world and be distressed. Gaze within and be depressed. Gaze at Jesus and be at rest. 
Uh, gaze at the world and be distressed. Gaze within and be depressed. Gaze at Jesus and you'll be uh, at rest. And, and I've been teaching you how to gaze at Jesus. Our gaze is to be on Jesus. We glance at our circumstances, but we gaze at Jesus. Most of us do the opposite, right? That's why we don't have peace. So let's think for a moment. Gaze at the world and be distressed. Isn't that true? I mean, wouldn't you like to hook someone up to a blood pressure meter and then just have them watch the news? What would happen? It would just go up, wouldn't it? Or, or just put it on there and then have, stick them on social media to see people fighting. And what would happen? They would get, what? Distressed. Um, do you know what the world's always telling us? We deserve better. We deserve a better family. We deserve a better church. We deserve a better country. We deserve better. And so people are continually distressed. The world we live in says keep track of every wrong and every slight and never forgive. And so when people gaze at the world, they get distressed. And when we get distressed, we hear the peace of Christ blowing the whistle and we need to repent and think, I'm gazing at the world and I need to take my eyes and gaze at Jesus and gaze at Jesus and be thankful. And when I'm thankful, the peace of Christ is restored in our hearts. Uh, the one I don't understand at all is to gaze within, to look within, uh, and, and be depressed. Why in the world would I want to look at myself? And doesn't our culture encourage you to do that? You know what I see when I look at myself? That I'm a failure. I failed as a husband and a father and a pastor, and a grandfather, I fail. That's what I see. You know what happens when I look at myself? I see that I do the very things I don't want to do, and the good things I want to do, I don't do. When I look at myself, I get depressed. And when I get depressed, the peace of Christ blows the whistle in my life, and I need to repent. I realize I'm gazing at myself. No wonder I'm depressed. And then I take my eyes and get them off of me and gaze at Jesus and I'm at rest, right? Ah. Gaze at the world and be depressed or distressed. Gaze within and be depressed. Gaze at Jesus and be at rest. You know what happens when I gaze at Jesus? I see that I've received so things so much better than what I deserved. The world tells me I deserve better. You know what the gospel tells me? I deserved hell. And you know what I've received? Jesus. I've received Jesus. How can I not be a thankful person when I've received so much more than what I deserved? And you know what we long for so much? It's all there with Jesus, isn't it? We expect others to love us and do those things for us that only Jesus can do. And that's why we're continually disappointed. But when we gaze at Jesus, so as those who have been chosen of God, the NFL isn't calling, the NBA isn't calling, but Jesus picked me to be on his team. I'm chosen. He knows my name. Holy, he set me apart for a purpose that matters. Beloved, he loves me. He knows everything about me. He loves me. Don't we long for that, but we look for it in people and we're always disappointed instead of looking for it in Christ and being at rest and having peace in our hearts compassion. Man, I found compassion in Christ. I found kindness in Christ. I found humility, gentleness, patience. He bears with me. He does. He forgives me. 
He loves me. Um, what is What is peace? It's healthy relationships. A healthy relationship with God. A healthy relationship within ourselves and with others. Listen, how do we put on? How do we put on peace? We we put on Jesus. We put on his body. And then then let's be thankful. Be thankful. Matter of fact, I, I have an action step for you this week, and it's incredibly radical, but it will change everything in your life. And here it is. Be thankful. You want peace? Be thankful. And I want, you know, you're off to a great start. It's the first day of the week, right? And where are you? You're here in church. You've already started the week so right, right? We're here, and why have we come? To give thanks, right? You, you do remember there were 10 lepers who were healed, right? And how many came back to give thanks? One. Isn't that why you're here? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me peace within and peace with God and peace with others. Thank you, right? Uh, we're here to, to be thankful. And, and tomorrow morning, we have a chance to get up and, and have breakfast with Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus in the morning, won't you thank Him? Lord, thank you. Thank you for being my peace. Thank you for bringing peace with God. Thank you for peace within. Thank you for showing me how to live at peace with others. Give thanks. And then, and then as you go through your day tomorrow, listen, look for ways to be thankful for one week with your family, for one week, instead of seeing all the flaws in your family, what if you were just thankful? Look for things you're thankful for about your family. It'll change your life. When you're about to get into it with your spouse and and they're really mad, why don't you just stop and say, hey, could I share with you one thing I'm thankful for about you? Wouldn't that change the conversation? Wouldn't it? How about for a week? How about for a week with your church? You just look for things to be thankful for for a week and and see what happens, okay? Now listen, your church has many, many flaws, but look for what you're thankful for. Wow. You know, our church preaches the gospel. I'm thankful for that. Listen, a lot of churches have abandoned the Bible. Our church hasn't. I'm thankful for that. Be thankful. How about our country? How about for a week? You just Focus on what you're thankful for about our country. I think you'll be amazed if you look for things to be thankful for, it'll change your heart. You'll be amazed at how many things you get, have to be thankful for if you look for it. Listen, this week when, when someone wants to drag you into a complaining fest and they're, and they're about to say, this is what I can't stand about our country, why don't you just flip the conversation and say, could I share with you one thing I'm thankful for about our country? Do you know in our country we get to gather together and worship? Isn't, isn't this amazing? You can flip a conversation. You really can by just sharing what you're thankful for. Matter of fact, um, I, for a long time when people ask me, how am I, what I would say is, man, I'm very thankful. Do you know what 90% of the people would say at that point? Me too. I controlled the conversation I had with people by just leading, by saying I'm very thankful. And the other 10% of the people, they would say, well, what are you thankful for? And that was even better because I could say, man, I'm so thankful for Jesus. My new thing is, my new thing, people ask me, how are you? And I say, I'm in love. Do you know who gets the most out of that? I do. When I tell people that I'm in love, I'm reminded Jesus loves me, and no one needs to be reminded of that more than, than I do. And, and, and you know what? They say, well, well, with who? And I'll say, listen, I've got a friend. We all want a friend like this. He knows everything about me, and he loves me, and his name is Jesus. 
I say most people know just a little bit about me and they don't like me. I am so thankful to know Jesus, aren't you? Oh, man, I'm so thankful to be a Christian, aren't you? I'm eating in a restaurant this week, and the server asked me, she said, smiling, she said, how are you? And I said, I'm in love. And her face just fell. You know what she said? I'm just here. I am so thankful I'm not just here. Here, I have a friend whose name is Jesus, and he loves me. And listen, life is worth living when you're doing life with Jesus, isn't it? Aren't you glad he loves you? Listen, our assignment this week, it has the potential. It has the potential to change our face. It has the potential to change our family, our church our community, one heart at a time, simply by being thankful, you'll be amazed the power of one thankful person. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we are so glad you came. You came to save us. You came to reconcile us to God. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for rising. Thank you for offering us eternal life. And listen, if, if you've never received Christ, if you've never received his free gift, won't you? He's here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and wrongs. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, for all of us who've received you, I pray this week that, that we would rejoice and give thanks that in you we have peace with God that in you we can experience peace within. Lord, that through you we can be peacemakers. Lord, I pray this week that we would be very, very, very intentional at looking at things to be thankful for. May there be a thankful wave that flows through our homes and church and community this week. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.